Hey there, this is At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. I'm interior stylist Lauren Keenan and Scott's here too. Hey everyone, yes, and we've got some really great guests coming up for you over the next couple of weeks. We sure do. We're getting to the business end of one of the biggest building and renovation TV shows on the planet. The Block 2021 has delivered on design and drama in spades this year, and we get the inside word on what happens next with host Shelley Craft in a couple of weeks. And today we're talking to foreman Dan Riley. Yeah, he joined the show as a contestant with his partner Danny, you might remember back in 2012, and they came back in 2013 for the first all-stars version of the show. And since then, they've set up their own full-service home design and construction business called Red Door Project. Dan has since become a qualified builder after appearing on the block and he's graduated from contestant up to foreman with the blockinator keith the blockinator that makes me laugh every time (laughs) now it's pretty hard to imagine the block without dan i think as part of the uh, group of hosts with keith and scotty cam and shelly craft and he has some really great insights into how they build incredible architect design homes to the highest possible standards so here's foreman dan riley from the block talking with us on at home with lauren keenan Foreman Dan Riley, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Our pleasure. Thank you. Um, not much else to do in these strange times, is there? I know, right? <laughs> so this has probably been the most dramatic season of the block, like ever. Has it been as dramatic on site as it's playing out on TV? Yeah, you're definitely right. It's definitely the most dramatic we've had, um, which is a shame to a degree because you, everyone wants to have fun all the time on the show. So. Yeah, look, I, I didn't realise it was this bad until watching it back now. I knew there was friction between certain teams, but when you watch it back now, it's just so much bigger than what I thought it was. And a lot of teams are really hanging on to certain issues for a long time throughout the series, which, I don't know, you just got to move on sometimes, I think. There's definitely some grudges being held, isn't there? I, look, for me, um, I guess when you're in the block world, you're so caught up in, in the everything. Every little thing's such a big issue, but especially the All-Stars, they've done it before. So they should really know to put their energy focus on the build itself and try not to get drawn into the drama. But as we've been seeing, they are fully drawn into it and also creating a lot of it. So I find that very surprising. You've done it before, you move on from that, you don't worry about that and just build the best house you can build it because that's what it's all about at the end of the day. So it's quite surprising watching it back now and seeing the effects, what it had on the All-Stars. Yeah, they really did hang on to some of those grudges, didn't they? I'd like to just go back a little bit first. Um, you're one of first, yeah, sorry, you're um, one of two on-screen foremen on the block along with Keith. But we want to pull the curtain back a little bit today and find out a little bit more about, you know, the building and the design process of the show, which, you know, we think is pretty interesting. But first, can we go back a little bit um, to, the, to the start of your time on the block and way back to 2012? That's 10 years ago, mate. Like, it's a long time. You must have learned a lot and seen a lot over that decade, have you? Oh, look, absolutely. When when you peel it back to that 10 years ago to our first time walking on the block, it's a different beast now. Let's, you know, it's so different to what it was when we were there. I mean, we never had sign-ins. We never had OH&S managers. We, you know, we never had our daily meetings in the morning to run over what's happening on the site overall. Even the camera crew was probably a quarter of the size of what it is now. It's just such a different beast. It's huge. Um, but the journey's been great. And to be involved 10 years, it's, it's been an exciting thing for me. I still pinch myself every day that I am part of this amazing show. But to watch the show grow to what it is now, 
like the production size, it's just huge. The builds, everything we're achieving is getting bigger and better every year. So the thing I've noticed probably the most from when I was a contestant to now is probably what we can do in a week now as opposed to what we could, could do back then seems to be a lot more for some reason. Maybe it's because we little have, have more supplies and that behind us right now that we'll drop everything at the drop of a hat to get it done. And, and that's a, probably a point I want to say to people in the real world when they watch the show and then you meet a client outside and they say, we want a bathroom within a week. And I go, oh, we can't do it within a week. You know, they go, but you do it on the show. I go, yes, but we have everyone at our disposal and we have, you know, glazing that can be made overnight. That doesn't happen in the real world. So, you know, it's things like that. It's strange. I lost a bit of train of thought there. Sorry, guys. That's all right. And like you said, every year it seems to get bigger and more challenging and there's there's something extra for the contestants to have to do. How do they think of these things from one year to the next and how involved are you in that process? Look, I think the contestants now, when they do find out they are on the show, they, they do a lot of prep. And if you don't do the prep work, you, you're just going to fall so much behind, which I think maybe one or two couples have this year. So yeah, in- about that because that that is something that you've picked up on in the show yourself. People like Tanya and Vito in particular, I know you've had a chat with them about it a couple of times. You see someone like Vito who would have had plenty of time to get prepared and learn how to use a nail gun, for example, and just doesn't seem to have done that work before the show. I find it bizarre that a contestant comes on the show and hasn't done any preparation. Like you should have all your trades locked in. You should have a clear understanding of what you want to sort of produce style wise and and even build wise because let's be honest they would have looked at where they're building they so they'll get an understanding of if they're in houses or apartments and things like that so to come in as raw as some contestants has this blows my mind because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity let's be honest so why wouldn't you come as prepped as possible um unfortunately that there are teams that that just i don't know they just don't get it and uh, you know i don't want a single a house out but Vito really was wasn't prepared and he it took him a while to understand the show in general and to get it that there is going to be cameras and producers in your face all the time whether that's something good that you've done or something bad that you've done he hasn't handled it well let's be honest and and that's something that surprisingly I mean we all handle situations differently which is fine but I think you should learn how you've handled a situation and be better next time I don't know if that's happened with him. I think the more the show goes on, unfortunately, he's not getting better at handling those difficult situations and exploding at the production team, which I don't think is fair. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that drama, haven't we, this this season? But I suppose, again, it just shows the importance of preparation and being, you know, readying yourself for the show. Oh, absolutely. And I think um, I think earlier question was how much do I have involved pre-work? So... Keith and I, we don't really come until, you know, maybe a week before contestants arrive. So a lot of the base build has been done for us because Keith and I, our main role is just to make sure the contestant builds, builders and, and trades uh, up to standards that we require. So our main focus is on the contestants and trades, whereas we've got another team behind us building or getting the structure ahead of us. So when we go into that space, we're ready. So Keith and I were sort of stuck in the middle of the guys behind the scenes, the contestants and their builders and also production. So there's a lot of people to manage, uh, a lot of personalities to manage, which is probably the harder thing, to be honest. (laughs) And it's sometimes it's it's even the tradespeople uh, working for the contestants that we have a lot of issues with. 
only a few like we do get along with a lot of them but some of them really challenge us at times because they think they're doing it to their standard which in the real world may be may be really good but we want a better standard we are being shown on national television so we've got to do best practice all the time and that's something they really struggle to fathom with these um trades people unfortunately and how do those relationships work on on the show like uh, do they report to you or do they report to the contestants they report to contestants always i mean the contestants are the client they're the project manager so it's their responsibility they'll engage their builder which then should be looking over their own trades people that's where keith and i come in we're always patrolling we don't stop and we're always just watching over just looking at things to make sure it's done to our standards um and we always tell them you know hey guys maybe do it this way maybe you should be looking at this they generally ignore us then we come back later and seen that it's not done right and that's when an issue arises so it's same as contestants we we keith and i we're not there to be their enemies we're actually there to make the house be the best product possible which is a favor to the client so we give them hints if we think one of their trades isn't quite right for the show we'll express that to the contestant and whether they take that on board is up to them but i'd say 90 percent of the time they don't listen to us and it ends up becoming a big headache for that contestant. And I noticed that you're quite the – you often come around with your ruler, which I think some of the contestants <laughs> have made a bit of fun of you for. And you're yeah. making fun of us this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's important to make sure all the, the building code standards are up to spec. You know, we hear some of the contestants saying that this is their 17th bathroom or waterproofing inspection. Is that for real? Like have you actually done that many inspections to get them to that point? That was 100% real. That I still remember that first bathroom um, for House 5, Kirsty and Jesse. Yeah, I think all up there were 17 inspections. And this was a uh, – the carpenter had done the block before. So I, we were trying to understand why this was happening, but they just – kept getting us up there. I'll just check over this, just make sure this is right. I'm like, this is not ready. Why are you getting us up here? You know what we want. We've shown you the details. Once that's done, get us back up. But for some reason, they just, that was week two and it was just all a bit of a whirlwind for them contestants. So they'll maybe just a bit edgy and just wanted to get us up to make sure they were on the right track throughout that bathroom. But yeah, their, their builders should have been better there. To be honest, it's been really great to see those contestants growing through the uh, the series. They've gotten better each week, but this year's been so different because they haven't had building plans. When you did it ten years ago, it was more of a renovation show. Now it's a building show. How do you reckon you, as a twenty five year old chippy, might have gone thrown into a house like this with no plans, like the contestants have been this year? Such a good question and a hard question to answer. <laughs> Because my ego wants to say that I would have dominated, but in all, <laughs> <laughs> but in all honesty, yeah, I mean, as a tradie back then, you, you get a set of plans and you follow them. So to be thrown, you know, a footprint and for you to have to design that, that's so hard because none of us, or we weren't architects or they're not architects, so they don't understand spatial awareness. So there's already one big thing that you've got to quite understand. Um, one thing I probably would have done was rang up a real estate agent straight away, get an understanding of doing how many bedrooms should we have, how many bathrooms and things like that. That's probably where I would have started. But in all honesty, I, I would have struggled without getting a set of plans. And then we had some of the contestants this year. Julian Brenchley did come through and give some some tips and advice on the floor plan. And some people took the advice, some people didn't. <laughs> Do you think the ones that didn't take the advice are going to be disadvantaged? 
Yeah, such a good question as well. I mean, Julian Branchley is an, you know, an award-winning architect around the world. So he knows his stuff, let's be honest. So if he gave you advice, surely you would take that on board. But in the same sense, I like the fact that, you know, um, the two brothers went against some of the advice and took a punt on their own instinct because their dad's in real estate. So they, you know, they might've been getting a bit of advice from them as well. So I didn't, I didn't mind what the boys did. I was dead. I was against it the whole time because I knew there was just too many hurdles and it was a lot of energy that they were focusing on to go to council every time to get that change and this, where they could have been focusing their energy if they just stuck to a normal plan sort of thing. But to their credit, I think what they do is a really good idea. They must have been excellent sweet talkers at council because I've never <laughs> known a local council to be so accommodating. <laughs> neither, do, neither do we. And I, you know, I, um, Luke kept coming back. Oh, it's been passed. How good is that? I'm going, and I'm thinking, How? Do, we actually, do we actually know he's been to council? Have we got any sort of written confirmation this is happening? Because I just felt like it, this, was, this was the impossible. Got a tree removed, got a crossover approved got all of his house sort of redesigned and, and moved over and all ticked off within one or two weeks. So, geez, wouldn't that be maybe nice? Long Island. Maybe, maybe they did. Maybe they did. <laughs> but I tell you what, wouldn't it be nice if that happened in the real world? Let's be honest. Absolutely. And, yeah. and they were left with that final conundrum around that indoor, outdoor bathroom. Is it or a bathroom? It's not, is it a bathroom? Is it not a bathroom? I think your view was it shouldn't be a bathroom and that's why those walls had to come down. Yeah, such a hard one, uh, such a grey area. Look, at the end of the day, it was up to the building surveyor and there was a bit of a grey area and he decided that the wall was, or the screen was classed as a wall, which then brought in fire regulations, which mean it had to be changed to a, a screen. So it was a shame. Um, and when that was filmed, it was over Easter. So there was just too many public holidays in between there to get the answers we needed, unfortunately. So, yes, it was the boys' fault for rushing ahead, but also I felt a little bit sorry for them there. Because it did look good. It looks great. It looked amazing. It really did. Um, and like we said, if, if it was planned out properly at the start, we would have had the time to research it and get the approval from the building surveyor. And then we may have been able to get away with what they did if we put proper fire protection there. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. It was over Easter, so they had to bring it down. Can you give us a bit more of a sense of how much of that work you and Keith and the other builders are doing, checking as we go? Like you, We see a bit of it um, on screen, but how much more work are you guys doing behind the scenes and off camera? There's a heap. There's a heap of work happening, and it's also, don't forget, legally our um, structural engineer has to sign off, and that's the VBA, Victorian Building Authority. You need registered people to sign off frame stage. Um, an, an engineer, qualified engineer can do that or a building surveyor. So our engineer does that because there's so many changes happening on the fly. So we'll be liaising with our engineer. I couldn't even count how many times a day saying, hey, this is what's happening. Take photos. They want to put a lintel here. They want to change this over. What sizes do we need? So all that will happen. And then he'll come out and legally he has to inspect that frame for it to be passed. We'll do a lot of the pre inspections and get it to a point but legally he has to sign off such a big job huge job you know there's a lot of us continually looking over everything to make sure that this these products these homes uh above australian standards which is what we want to achieve five houses no plans five different builders rookies yeah exactly yeah. right but that's the beauty of these these homes they are to a standard above Australian standards. 
they're a block standard, which is bigger again. And that's why a lot of trades don't like working with us because we always do best practice, which is above the Australian standards. So structurally, these homes are strong as anything. And they're individual. Absolutely. I mean, they've got their own flavour. They've got their own contestant flavour, which adds to that, which is even better. But like I always say, everyone goes, would you buy a blockhouse? And they go, structurally, they're going to be as strong as any other home out there, if not stronger. Okay, you may need to get a painter in just to fix up some of the painting. But other than that, (laughs) these homes are pretty amazing. So we talked a little bit about the cheating scandal earlier, but more how it affected the contestants. But can we talk a bit more about how show how it affected the show's um, plans, the builders, the architects, the producers, behind the scenes and, and how all that played out with the cheating scandal? When, when I first heard that it happened, um, I was thinking, oh, okay, that, that's pretty bad that it's happened. How, how's it going to affect us? I wasn't quite sure. But when then Scotty said the schedules have been flipped that changed so much. And it was our trades who work with us every year. You know, it was the VLUX guys who get guys from around Australia to come and fit them off. They had to change flights. They had to do things like that. The carpet court guys, they know the schedule as well. So they've got all these other jobs booked in, in those weeks where they don't have to be there. They lost tens of thousands of dollars of work there. Our window suppliers, you know, they were put under extra pump because they didn't have those windows ready for those areas. So it was our sub trades that suffered the most. And that's what I don't think some of these contestants understood because our sub trades were now losing money and being put under unnecessary pressure. So that was all legitimate and that was real. And that got probably me offside from when I started realizing the effect of it. Production wise, I mean, yeah, they had to flip a few things around but it was the sub-trades that suffered the most and financially, unfortunately. You must have gone into crisis mode in the, in the behind the scenes, you know, with you and your building teams and your sub-trades to go, okay, this is now the production schedule. It looks like this instead of like this. How do we make this happen? Was it from a logistics perspective pretty damn hard as well? Logistically a nightmare because when we heard of the new schedule, we're like, how are we going to get to that space? We're not, we haven't even got frames or roof up there yet. So we're trying to wrap our brains and figure out how we're actually going to get this done. Um, so obviously we had to get more people on site, which blows our budget out, I guess, the build budget. And just like it just put everyone under unnecessary pressure. Well, this year the contestants got to choose their own home, five pretty different properties, five different parcels of land all on the same cul-de-sac. Interested to know if you had your choice, which house you would have picked. Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I think... Danny have chosen the same as you. I was going to get to that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think for me, when I first rocked up, you're immediately drawn to house one because it just looks like an amazing location. But as you walk up the cul-de-sac and you see this massive site, double-storey house, and you're like, wow, the biggest house in the cul-de-sac with the biggest property and that sort of draws you there. But then you've got to think about, oh, that might mean if I choose that house, obviously the reserve's going to be a lot higher than the other one. So strategically, I would have probably went house one. But if I was to buy one, I would go house five just because the land's so big there, 900 square metres. So their, their front yard, backyard is huge. So if you're raising a family, you've got amazing property around you, which is what you want. And that backs onto a park as well that no one really knows. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's cool. And in the build, they've had some difficulties, though, because they've had the double-storey house, haven't they, and because of the problems with the the schedule when it got thrown out because of the cheating scandal. So difficulties with, I think, putting in the kitchen, didn't they? They had to dig out the 
the floor and beams and all those issues as well. It sounds like it was a challenging build for those guys. Yeah, House 5 was a challenging build for those contestants and almost unfair to have the same budget as everyone else because they've got a whole extra floor. Plus they had a staircase that they had to put in that no one else had to put in. So there's a big proportion of your budget gone just there. But they realised that at the start and they started saving a lot of money for that. So they knew the workload was going to be double than everyone else. And to be honest, it was probably the right couple to get it because Jesse does not stop working the whole time. He, he is one of the best contestants we've had. Head down, bum up attitude, doesn't get drawn into the drama, just gets on with it, which I really love. And he grows through that series and he ends up being almost a third-year apprentice chippy because he's in there doing it with them. So I think the right couple got the right house and I think their mindset was right from the start. They knew they had to do the double workload, but they didn't whinge about it. They got on with it. They just seem really level-headed, those two, and they just get on with the job at hand. And genuine. They're genuine people, um, and you can tell that, like, everything's a new experience for them, and, and they love that. And I think that's shining through the TV show. We're seeing that. The audience is seeing that. And in real life, that's how they are. And they're from New South Wales, so that makes them pretty cool as well. <laughs> Country New South, though. <laughs> They're country New South. Made of the All Stars this year having a bit of an advantage, um, and you were in this position when you came back in 2013. But everybody on the sh- that show was. You've got this year Ronnie and Georgia and Mitch and Mark that have come back and have been on the show before. And of course, Ronnie and Georgia, well, they've both been off doing renovations since they were on the show. And then you've got the three new couples with pretty limited renovation experience. I want to know: Do you think that they do have a big advantage, or do you reckon? that anybody could have, you know, watched the show and talked to some experts and maybe done some of that pre-work to get prepared to be able to do what they need to do to tackle the block. Massive advantage. To come back as an all-star against newbies is a huge advantage, not only because of the renovation side, because you understand how the show works and you understand the drama that's going to come with it and how to deal with it. Now, some of these all, some of these all-stars don't deal with the pressure as well as I thought they would have but at least you know what you're getting yourself into. The newbies, they have no idea. They don't know they're going to be up for 100 hours a week working. The contestants do, the old contestants. So how do you even judge how much of an advantage it is? I don't know. I can't put it into words, but it is huge. Because I guess at the end of the day, experience, how do you beat experience? You don't. And you look at someone like Mitch and Mark, you know, they are very organised. You know, they have their building team that they had from their series in 2019, so a great working relationship. And, you know, watching how they work and build, that they work so quickly and so well through their house. Um, and they trust each other. That's they trust thing. and know each other. And then you look yeah. at, um, is it Tanya and Vito that have had multiple trades and multiple builders over the course of like the first eight weeks? Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing, building those relationships in another series and bringing them back with you, you have that relationship, you have that trust, which, you know, is, is incredible. Tanya and Vito, their journey at the start was rough. I mean, they just couldn't land good trades. But what I will tell you is the builder they've got now is the best builder we've probably ever had on the block, hands down by a country mile. Uh, so the quality we've never seen before. He's a wow. perfectionist and a high-end builder in Melbourne, which I'm surprised he even did this. So that's something we don't really know or see. But oh, well, they're in the show too much. He's quite a re- he's quiet. reserved and yeah. quiet character. You don't see the good builders. <laughs> they're too busy to be on camera. They're not. They're not buggering up normally. They're doing the right thing and delivering good products, and that's what their builder does. So. Yeah, I think later in the show you'll see Keith and I maybe voice that a bit more. But 
for, for our eyes, Keith and I's, it's the best products or quality product we've seen in all of the series. And how is Keith doing? Because uh, he probably hasn't had as big a role in the show this year from previous years. You know, the Blockinator was everywhere. And uh, I suppose, you know, you, you've risen up more in the show and you sort of share that role a bit more? Yeah, I think um, we still do equal amount of parts as we always have. It's just we don't know what's going to go to air at the end of the day. We're both doing the same amount. We're both patrolling as much as each other. And every year is different. We don't know what story will get shown over the other. We get frustrated at times because we feel like we do some really good stuff, educational stuff on the show, but it never gets to air, unfortunately, because you have cheating scandals that take over the whole series. Mate, check it out out now. Nineout.com.au for all of Dan's educational videos on the blog. (laughs) Dan and Keith, yeah. (laughs) So the last two years have been really disrupted, I mean, everywhere because of COVID, but last year the block was shut down for weeks and weeks. And uh, we understand some of your building, personal building work with the um, Red Door Project has also been affected. As a builder, how has last year compared to this year? Last year was okay. I think last year the construction industry in Melbourne didn't get shut down. We didn't have one day off, so we're quite lucky there. This year is very different. Uh, for the first time we've been stood down as an industry for two weeks. Are we upset? Yeah, we are, we're, we're a little bit disappointed, but it's not not for us, it's for our clients because at the end of the day, it's the clients who are going to be financially hurt because, yes, it's a two-week lockdown, but the schedule could blow up up to two months now because we're all going to come back in two weeks' time and it's going to be a scramble and things like that. Supplies aren't really – they're a bit all over the shop. So the client might maybe two months later than what they should have been to move into their home, which is two months extra rent, two months extra on their mortgage if they've got one for the build. So it's those guys who are going to suffer the most. For the block – um, yes, we had, I think, the six weeks off last year, but last year was different. It was new. It was exciting, almost exciting. We didn't really know what was going on. This year, um, we were very lucky that we missed lockdown. We finished just before it all. So the, the block has been lucky in that sense, I guess. And this weekend on the show is uh, living and dining room reveals. So off the back of the kitchens last week, which all looked fantastic. And now we've seen a really good portion of the houses so far. There's still more to come. But do you have a personal favourite at this stage in the show? Um, do you think there's one that's shaping up as more saleable than others? And I know you talked about the double story house, um, Kirsty and Jesse. But yeah. what's your favourite? I think from probably from the first week, yeah, it, we got a clear understanding that Ronnie and Georgia were going to be the team to beat because they were delivering amazing rooms and spaces. And I think what they do this week again delivers to their high standard, which is really good. And, you, and you're seeing that home take shape. But what, what we probably see come Sunday is a dark horse really rise up and be a big threat to everyone. Mm. Yeah. Very interesting. I'm Intriguing. keen to see that. Especially <laughs> um, Kirsty and Jesse's kitchen last week, which was amazing. It was good. Yes, yes. It, it'll be an unsus- unsuspecting team that you probably didn't think of. But okay. what they create from their living, dining, kitchen, as soon as you walk in, you're like, yeah, I get it. I get this place now. I didn't a couple of weeks ago and I thought they were going nowhere, but now I get it. Yeah, wow. Well, kitchens and living spaces sell houses now and while Ronnie and George's master suite was incredible, I'm interested to see what everybody does this week. Yeah, absolutely. I think your first impressions of when you open that front door are everything and one team really delivers, in my opinion. Nice little teaser (laughs) for seven a block on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I like it. 
Well, before we uh, wrap up, Dan, can you tell us a bit about your own business, the Red Door Project that uh, you run with your wife, Danny, or design and construction business? Yeah, so we um, we actually run yeah, our full end-to-end design construct business. So we'll get a client, they'll come to us, Danny probably takes the leads and then really designs a home that they want. Um, so that's architectural and interior design. Then it comes over to me and, and we get that built done for them. So what we realised a couple of years ago, a lot of architects and designers were designing spaces or homes that wasn't with the client's budget. So they'd get this amazing thing on paper. They'll take it out to tender and come to us builders. We would price it and it'd be double, triple their budget. Uh, and we really seen a, a gap in the market there where it all has to be in-house. So we, we'll get an understanding of their budget at the start and we'll design a home to their budget. It won't blow out. We've noticed that the, the business exploded over the last year and that's credit to Danny for what she's done. So uh, Melbourne's going through a boom. Um, it's really good, to be honest. It's funny. We've noticed the same thing here with Lauren. You know, she's an interior stylist and we've noticed exactly the same thing here where people are spending on renovation and wanting to improve their homes, right? Well, they're not going anywhere. They're not going on holidays or spending money on other things, so they're spending on home. As bad as COVID's been, I mean, last year alone, $90 billion stayed in Australia. That would have gone to international travel. So that's why we've seen a boom in the real estate. Construction's boomed. Also, cars. You can't even get cars now. So a lot of that money stayed here and people are still spending. Emma, how do you go balancing your work there with Red Door and the block work? Is there a bit of a... A, a timetable that works or how, how do you make it happen? Highly challenging, very challenging for the business, for myself personally or for us personally. It's three months of the year that, you know, it's we, we don't dread it, but we know it's going to be extremely difficult. Uh, and it's something that we we get better at every year. We have an amazing team behind us, um, guys on site who, who can take more workload on whilst I'm away on the show. But yeah, it is challenging. And it sounds like though that you are, you are still loving the show and you're almost looking forward to next year again already. Well, next year we're, we're coming completely different again. We're moving to the country, which brings another element. So it's exciting. I grew up not far from that area, so I know it's going to be extremely cold during filming, which is another element that we don't like. <laughs> but it should be fun. And so what's your final red-hot tip for the auctions? How do, you, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, and are they going to be normal auctions? What's mm. going to happen? Well, I, I still don't know yet. I mean, we are we can have one showing. We can one person come through at the moment with a real estate agent. That's a positive thing for the show. Um, they can finally get people going through these homes. Um, red hot tip. Oh, look, the market's still strong in Melbourne, which is good. So I'm I'm hoping we're going to get five sales in the day, which you know is what we always want. We want everyone to make money. Um, I, I still think Ronnie and Georgia, if the reserves are right, I think they'll be very hard to beat. Yeah, and look, I think they did a great job with their in the domain challenge this week, which they won again. Uh, the, the challenge this week and got got the points which they needed for that leaderboard. So if they're picking the auction order, puts them in a damn good spot, doesn't it? Well, that's just another advantage on top. Yeah, absolutely, pick an auction order, but it's almost pressure you don't want, I think, because if you get it wrong, you're just going to blame yourself. So it's just another element you've got to worry about. I'd rather not let them do it, not worry about it. It's out of your control and just hope the home that you've produced is a good enough product to win on the day. Well, thanks so much for chatting with us today and giving us the inside story on the block and how it all works. We've really enjoyed it and, and learned a lot about a show that we love. Yeah, mate, we're big fans of the show and we really love your work and it's great to see you and the team shining this year in difficult circumstances. So thanks for your time. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. 
was so great talking to Dan. He seems like a really top guy and I think you can hear just how important design and building standards are to him as part of his profession. Yeah, he's come a long way, I guess, since... 2012, 2013 as a chippy on the block and now running his own business. Yeah. So that's Dan Riley. And coming up on the next episode, we're talking to longtime host and newly qualified real estate agent Shelley Craft about just what it's like behind the scenes on the show. Plus, how the judging process is way more detailed than you might think. And we also go into the state of the real estate market in Victoria and we talk about what the contestants might expect at their upcoming auctions. Now, remember, you can get recommendations from Lauren. She's an interior stylist and designer, and her monthly newsletter comes out every month, funnily enough, <laughs> um, with some, some of the things that Lauren loves and that inspire her and her work as an interior stylist. You can sign up now at laurenkeenan.com.au. And remember, if you've got a styling or a renovation project at home that you're thinking about getting started on, but you're just not sure how, you can hit me up on the contact page of my website and I'll get right back to you. The episodes we promised on the best natural cleaning products and how you can use them in your home have been pushed back a little bit so we can bring you these big interviews about the block. Yes, but that will be coming uh, in a few weeks' time after we speak to Shelley Craft on the next episode. That's it for the show today. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. Bye.